0: Hello, guys. Welcome to another episode of the Arsenal As always, thank you for tuning tuning in. Uh, Raj, Aaron, and Nero, how's it going, boys?
1: Okay, should take a round of applause to welcome Nero back to the show. Uh, uh, you know. Been, uh, <laughs> welcome back. Welcome you, back. What's What's yeah.
0: the special occasion? Uh, I must, uh,
2: <laughs> now, I think uh, I think I must be a bad luck charm because ever since I stopped coming, Arsenal winning. So. no more more games to go so I can't curse it too much so So oh and his internet
1: connection is going as well oh my goodness that's what it is basically Nero has moved into some random village in Essex somewhere and there isn't a proper internet signal
0: I'm in Essex as well (laughs) yeah you live in a better village (laughs) oh okay right
2: right.
0: so Nero just don't join any podcasts in August when the season starts again then yeah
2: yeah yeah, I don't want to jinx
0: us mate Good stuff, good stuff. Um, Raj, I see you've got some new attire on.
1: Yeah, I am modeling today, Mize, the new Away shirt. Um, as you can see, the much-discussed cannon <laughs> facing a certain direction. Some people believe it should be facing the other way. Uh, one would say this is one of Adidas's better kits this year. I think it's very nice, but all their kits are quite good. I think. Uh, quite like the light yellow. Um, yeah, no complaints, really. Um, I did think about a, uh, a name to get on the back of the shirt but then uh, I realized no one no one quite deserves my love yet after this season <laughs> in this so squad went- yeah exactly so i just went with north bank on the back as uh, to to match my home kit but um yeah as I, as i said to you guys as well it also doesn't help that half the squad are like 15 years younger than me <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah not this year
0: nice one It looks good it looks good um well we a recording a couple of days after our win against Brighton. Um, I think a lot of people who follow us who are watching this probably would have seen on social media that we were actually able to go to the game on Sunday. Um, we were lucky enough to get tickets, we were lucky enough for the ballot. Um, so we obviously at the game, not in our normal seats, we were what was that? Were we east and west End? east? Yeah, was it east? Um, a different, different perspective uh, which we're going to get on to in terms of our, our view from the pitch and obviously very different from watching on TV for the last year um, but yeah like let's just have a chat about the day really and the experience because not something we've experienced in, in a long time um, how was it boys? Did you enjoy it? Was it everything you thought it was going to be?
3: <laughs> yeah the I mean the weather was a bit crap wasn't it? Which was the only downer but as far as you know It just felt, it felt like the start of a new season. You know, when you go back to the ground after three or four months away in the summer, except for us, it was like a year and a half away. Um, Surprised I even like managed to remember where the bloody ground was, but um, no, it was, um, it was good. Just, you know, I know the stadium wasn't at full capacity, but yeah, I'd be surprised. It's surprising how loud, yeah, what 10,000 fans can be. Um, And just it changes the whole dynamic of actually watching a football game when there's a crowd there rather than the crazy you kind know, of fake crowd or silence that you're used to um so yeah just it was i've missed it and i was so glad to be back
1: yeah totally. i think it was fun because we we went to the horatia pub and the horatia pub is a, a pub on for those who don't know it's a pub on holloway road um and it's one of the usual places that we drop into uh, before every game because it's kind of on the way from Highbury and Islington Station to the stadium. And it was quite interesting, wasn't it? Because when we usually go to the ratio, it's packed. Like you know, it's it's really busy before game day. It's heaving inside. It's heaving outside. You've got to, you know, hustle a little bit to get yourself a drink. But yeah, it's fine. That's what all the main pubs are like that. But it was such a contrasting difference, wasn't it, on yeah. Sunday where yeah, it's only table service. It was, it was a, you know, it was very, very quiet, very civilized. Um, there was something quite likable about that, <laughs> you know, not, yeah. not having to fight for a drink. Um, but uh, it was just nice being back. It was just, it, and you could tell the staff were just really happy to have people back as well, right? You know, it must be a big relief for them. Not up the bounce on the ground.
0: Except,
2: yeah. for the, except for the guys who had to go Aaron and every five minutes yeah, for walking around saying. without his mask.
3: Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Breaking yeah, COVID, break COVID. Break a few mask rules, yeah. yeah. But, but it's funny you said... No, uh, I'll remember for next time. Yeah, so it's funny <laughs>
2: you said you forgot where the stadium is because I think we started walking from Hybrid Station to Horatio. I think Miles was like, I think we've passed it. Like, I don't remember <laughs> it <really> <laughs> <been> <laughs> this yeah. long. I'm, I'm, I'm like, no, trust me. It's a long walk.
0: Yeah, yeah, I did. I got, I got a bit confused to be fair. So yeah, it has been a long time. A um, yeah. yeah, I mean, um, yeah, it was a good day, wasn't it, lads? Like, it reminded us how much we've missed uh, being able to go. Like I said, we 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 know how lucky we were to be able to go. Um, we got a lot of that kind of uh, feedback and response, not feedback, but a few comments that we got on um, social media were indicating the same, you know, a lot of fans that would have loved to have been there probably weren't lucky in the ballot or red members, silver members. So yeah, we know, we know, like I said, how lucky we were to go. And, um, no, it was an amazing day. And just going back into the ground as well, even though it wasn't full and it wasn't the same kind of, you know, cues to get in and, you know, hustle and bustle around the, the the concourse trying to get a pre-match beer. And, you know, there wasn't any of that, but just that moment of, um, walking out and seeing the pitch again, um, and seeing the ground, it, it, yeah I, I, it was really really nice it was quite special actually just having not been able to do it for the last what 13 14 months 15 months whatever it is
3: yeah i like i remember seeing on um, social media i think either before or after the game where people were speculating that how many people would give up their season ticket for next season because they've realized that they can do without it um but honestly, like, would you, have, when you walk back into that ground, you realize how much you miss it and how much you miss going every week or every two weeks or whatever. Um, and you know, I wouldn't even think about giving up my season ticket. It's very low. you know. Like, it's just never going to happen. But for anyone who is thinking about giving up their season ticket, I just say, just go to one game and you will very, very quickly change your mind. It helped, and it? it just it just gave perspective. I think because you know
1: we've had a tough season. It's been a in many ways a rubbish season, hasn't it? And not just from a football perspective, but off the pitch, you know, with with all the owner stuff, with the Super League stuff, and with with a COVID year, it's very easy, I think. Yeah, like you know, to feel disenfranchised. But what I, When when we got into the step, when we got into our seats, and the you know the game started, it just reminded me what it's all about what it really is all about. All the other stuff's just noise, right? Who we're going to sign? Uh, is a team playing well? Who the owner is? All that kind of stuff. It's just noise. Like mm. in reality, it's us being involved in a game every week. We're there to see the game and to be part of the event, and that's what it's all about. Um, and and it helped. I think not having that made all our problems for me feel a lot worse. You know, uh, and so it was. It was just a great reminder of what it's all about. Aaron, yeah, I just I completely
3: agree. I remember, um, like, a good point, part of this is, like, it's just very different to watching on TV, right? You guys probably might remember at the start of the game when the players came out, we were standing. So we were attacking. Basically, we were on the left-hand side of the pitch of where we were attacking from. And then um, Kieran Tierney basically came up to us and basically applauded us um, for quite a while. For a good 30 seconds, just came up right up the touchline, looked at, towards in our direction, you know applauded us basically saying like welcome back and stuff like that and then just basically got on with the job and yeah you don't see that on tv you'll never get that experience on tv cameras probably don't even show it um but it's that connection that you have with the players and and even like when you when you can like just you know encourage a player just saying go on or like do better or you applaud them when they do a good tackle Mm. that stuff a you can't do during closed-doors football, because it's almost like a different sport. But B, you can't do that if you're sat at home on TV. And I know there are loads of people around the world who, you know, never get the chance to watch Arsenal live. And I'm not saying that we're better than those fans at all. But it's a very, very... We're very lucky to be able to go. And some people often take that for granted. And I hope we never do.
2: Even the game, like, it was... It was really cold, right? It was raining. It was cold, but not for one minute. I would have swapped that for sitting at home watching it on TV. Like that kind of experience is sort of unrivaled when you're actually in the stadium. And the atmosphere was pretty it was pretty good, even though there's only ten thousand fans in there. And what made it better was they gave us a couple of uh, match day books as well. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> they definitely put me up.
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah so by the way everyone um what um, nero calls a match day book is what normal people call a program <laughs> <laughs> so if you,
0: yeah if you find if you find nero on twitter you won't be able to find nero on twitter unless you search for what is your what's your twitter handle nero i uh, i think i think it might be mdb i think yeah there's <laughs> match day book <laughs> <laughs> nero mdb or something like that yeah nero mdb yeah yeah we refer to him as the mdb now so yeah um yeah. it was also quite nice that um because obviously we were interested in the Spurs score, the Leicester Spurs score. And okay, this probably wouldn't be the case anyway, if, even if the ground was full, but because everyone could hear everyone around us, we had like people around us. And when the goals were going in, we were almost just having conversations with these people, like two rows back about, you know, Leicester have scored. And then obviously there's a number of goals towards the end of the game. You know, it's quite dramatic what happened. Um, and that was quite nice as well, because we never really had that before. Um, Oh, I've never actually. I've never really had that before when I've been to a game. So um, yeah, it was it was a good experience overall, yeah. wasn't it?
1: Were not you there when like we finished above Tottenham? You know the Leicester season when Leicester won, and on the final day, weren't you at that game?
3: Yeah, I think we we spoke what about we this playing? last time. I was. Yeah, we were playing. It was Arteta's final game against Villa, maybe. Or Newcastle. Well, well, was that Arteta's that game?
0: game? Yeah. Was that the game? That
3: Correct. was the game where we Spurs were away at Newcastle, I think. Okay. Yeah. And we were playing. I think it might be Villa or Burnley or something like that, and then yeah, everyone assumed Spurs would. I think that all they needed was a point or something, and then they got like smashed four one or something against Newcastle. Mm. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, we finished second and they finished third.
0: Oh, I'll edit that bit out then afterwards. <laughs> 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 Talking rubbish. Um, should we should we have a chat about the game then? Uh, actually, before we talk about the game, what were your thoughts on the? So we should probably explain. So normally the four of us sit. We're in the North Bank. Uh, lower tier, seven row. Well, me and Raj are seven rows back. Aaron and you, I think you're eighth row eighth row eight back. Yeah. Basically, we're all around that kind of seventh row back. Um, slightly to the left of the goal, but the goal is not blocking our view pretty much. Um, yesterday, because obviously we were given tickets in the ballot, uh, awarded tickets in the ballot, uh, we sat... I um, can't remember what stand you guys just said. Was it the East stand? East, yeah. Um, so we were... Kind Of, would you say between the halfway line and the 18 yard line? Yeah, about yeah. that. About you know, so sideways onto the pitch. Fourth, what row were we? Row Third, four. Fourth right. row. So a bit closer to the action. It felt a lot closer though, even though it was only three rows. Is that because the gap between the pitch and the first row behind the goal is wider mm-hmm. than it yeah. is on the sides of the pitch?
3: Yeah, I think yeah. You're, you're probably right.
0: Which would make sense because of the way that the, um, the, the the seating would be, but yeah, like we felt like it was much closer. How, what were your thoughts on just like in terms of watching the game and perception of play and you know being able to see positions of players that kind of thing? I found it a lot more difficult from where we sat.
1: Yeah, I think there's elements of it that personally um, I wouldn't trade it in for the view behind the goal. Personally, like I did find it hard to understand where. Where space was on the pitch, um, you know, and, and certain important dimensions, I found it quite hard to to really get an appreciation for that. But at the same time, you know, when you are behind the goal, you also don't get certain other dimensions. Um, and I thought it was quite what was quite interesting was actually noticing, I guess, like you know, and there's a couple of things I think we discussed even in the game where it looked like <coughs> he and his positioning in relation to uh, Emil Smith Rowe. Uh, you know when we were in and out of possession, and that dimension was actually would have been hard to tell when you were kind of lower behind the goal. Um, so yeah, there was I think there was there was sort of some positives to it, um, and it was fun being I think that little bit closer to the players. To be fair, but I I still much prefer sitting behind the goal
2: personally. where we normally sit is like because normally I don't know because I'm slightly lower than you guys are. But when there's when we're attacking first half to the other, other side, I can't really see what's going on fully.
3: I yeah, felt true. like yesterday mm. I
2: could see a bit more. It still wasn't 100, percent but it was a bit more. I could see what was going on when we were attacking first half, and then still fully second half. So um,
0: no, it was good to sort of. I felt like I could see less. I felt like I could see less in the seats that we had yesterday because because we were closer. Mm. You couldn't you, like that perception of how far a player was from say the box when they had the ball. You couldn't tell if they were like 20 yards out or 30 yards out. It was very difficult to get that. Whereas at least from behind the goal, even though the other end of the pitch is much further away, obviously, the kind of vantage point that we're at, you can still kind of see the whole pitch, if that makes sense. And obviously quite hard to explain. Maybe because you're a bit higher up. Yeah, I think.
2: In behind the goal, I think I'm full throw. Yeah. So it's still quite low down. So low down behind the goal versus low down in the middle. I think definitely middle was, you get to analyze the game a lot better and see a bit more what's going on. It's still, it's still quite tricky when they're attacking to the left, though, first half.
0: Um, well, yeah. yeah, well, maybe one day we'll be in um, in club level and, or diamond club ah. or something and uh, see everything yeah. really clearly. Um, so, yeah, so let's have a chat about the game then, boys, because, um, yeah, obviously another win. Is that five on the bounce in the league? Was it five?
3: Yeah, it is. Yes, five impressive.
0: Um, nice way to end the season. Pepe delivering again um his numbers now this season have uh, actually looking pretty good I actually look pretty good um in terms of his returns goals and assists but yeah like in terms of the game I thought I wasn't I thought the first half was pretty um pretty poor just in terms of us uh, performance wise I didn't think we were were great um a bit turgid and a bit I found it a bit boring to be quite, to be quite honest yes. um Obviously, it livened up a bit in the second half with the goals. But yeah, how did you guys think the game went? How do you think we played?
3: I thought I thought we played well well enough to win the game. Um, I thought defensively we were really solid. I think the reason is because we had two central midfielders who were reasonable in Partey and jacker rather than Partey plus whoever is left. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then obviously we had... Tierney at left back, and that the team just looked a lot more structured. Um and you know, I'm sure we'll talk about Pepe and his goals in a bit, but I think we're not doing enough yet to still create really good quality chances consistently throughout the game. And there's certainly some work we have to do there, but I don't remember Brighton, you know, even having a shot or getting close to our goal. So I thought the fact that we had Jaka and Partey in that midfield just meant we were really solid defensively and then we could just it was just a case of time as to when one of our attackers would do something good yeah completely agree mate
1: I thought it was interesting because Jaka, I think proved how important he's been in that position this season um and I did feel like we exerted a lot of control it did one of the takeaways for me I think overall though was it, it, it did it did feel like, although on the positive, it there seemed to be a lot more individual quality on the pitch than there perhaps has been in the past. It did look like that to me. But it still really did look, especially in the flesh, it did look like we were playing with a handbrake. And I know that's been something this season on TV, it seemed like as well. Um, but I really felt it in the air. And sometimes you feel it a little bit more, I think, when you're there in person because you see some of the players off the ball a bit more than you do, um, you know, when, when you're watching it on TV and there was just an energy about it, which felt like everyone was very cautious. Everyone was very careful. And especially in that first half, it was very calculated, no risks, no nothing. Um, and that was perhaps something that was disappointing, but has been a feature of most of the season. And, and um, luckily I think what we did today versus some of the other games is at least we did keep control for the whole game, right. And never did us, uh, as you say. And, we're having more quality moments these days like we did um, on, on against Brighton. So, uh, yeah, I think positives, but definitely some things that it felt like we need to stamp out for next season.
3: Miles, you're on mute. Sorry, guys.
0: Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, shall we talk about the the goals then that came in the second half? Like I said, Pepe... Uh, delivering, um, again, as he has in the last few weeks, um, and two really, really good finishes. Um, The first first one Nero Nero and I actually missed, didn't we? Oh, yeah. Uh, I I I wouldn't
2: have missed it for a beer, but I missed it for a hot chocolate. (laughs) You wait a whole season.
3: (laughs) A whole season to come to a game. You abandoned us at the queue, mate. I thought you would stick by us. I'm glad we did, to be honest. (laughs) Can you imagine if that was the only goal? And like Raj said, we waited a year and a half to come back. (laughs)
1: he's talking like he's talking like if we had stayed with him in the queue it would have gone quicker
0: <laughs> yeah, just, I, didn't, I didn't say that I didn't, <laughs> not, say not you Nero. No, so, yeah. yeah. but you know what's quite <laughs> funny when, yeah, when got, obviously we had the, we had the, the cheers of yeah. the go-
2: no I don't I
3: don't oh. would have been there without his mask could have scared a few more people off from ahead of us <laughs> um, <laughs> I was wearing my mask on the ground just so to clarify most of it so
0: when we so when we got back to obviously anyway. we missed the goal right <laughs> um we're getting refreshments.
1: Uh, two of you, t- two of you. The, two, the other two of, of two of us. Two of us were more <laughs> keen on the game and we watched it. let's clarify hot hot chocolates as well, not just refreshments. <laughs> well they didn't <laughs> have beers. Oh, they didn't have beers. So <laughs> the natural alternative is a hot chocolate. It was
0: freezing. <laughs> it was so cold. Anyway, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna justify it because you're all right, it was a bit it's a bit shit. But um anyway, yeah, Mr. Goal. Um but when I, when we got back to the seats, it was like okay Mr. Goal, fine. But how was it? And then Aaron was like, yeah, it's all right. It's a decent finish. Saw it back. It's a, really, it's a really good goal. Like you gave him no credit at all. And this is the thing that, not, not, not anything, not, this is not a dig at you, Aaron, but this is just a general kind of, I feel like if someone, if Saka had scored that goal, the reaction to <laughs> how good it was would have been very different. I don't know if you agree with that. No, no I think
3: this, this goes back to the seats. Thing, yeah, right? I agree. It's I agree. I agree. Oh, really? From where yeah. we what sat, what about the replay? Because I didn't go, see a we replay, but were they weren't showing no, you. From
2: where we sat, there's a side where we were sitting. They scored. You should have seen it clearer, mate. Yeah, How do
3: you know? <laughs> you didn't see it. Yes, yeah, stop <laughs> claiming like. <laughs> what are you talking? But about? I watched it back, and like you missed. You don't. You not realise that he basically. I think he um, like flicks it from his left onto his right, and then hits it one time straight into the corner. It was so quick that mm. you know. I don't think anyone was expecting Pepe to hit it when he did either. So it just happened and you're like, oh, all right, he scored. Um, and then, yeah, I didn't really... You know, I was probably busy celebrating that I didn't even see the replay on the screen. Um, you were too busy no. explaining to other people what the goal was like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, no, when but they like, came back and missed it.
1: But I think your point. like, So what What looked a lot better in on TV was the cross itself as well. Because it looked like, for some reason, when from the angle we were sitting, it looked like it was just an accidental cross. It looked like he did not mean for that at all. Like, it looked like it was almost he tried to hit it somewhere it deflected and then sort of landed towards mm. pepe and pepe just kind of hit it and it kind of deflected in
3: that 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 it it looked a messy goal right Aaron? like it, it yeah, yeah it didn't look smooth um but no fair play it was a uh, both goals i thought were really really good um yeah clearly Pepe has improved like immeasurably from the first half of the season but also you know he's he's obviously a very good finisher and that, i don't think that's ever really been in doubt no one's ever Like you'd never accuse Pepe of being wasteful and missing loads of chances.
1: Hmm. Yeah, it's, you know, what's really encouraging is if you, there were lots of concerns around Arteta before he took the job. (laughs) There's still concerns about Arteta, but one of the things that had been well publicised and I think we've discussed before is that when he was at City, one of his key jobs was coaching the wingers and getting the best out of those wingers and Sterling, Sane have credited um you know a lot of their development to him and so it always felt like if they pepe had no excuse pepe's working with a coach who knows how to get a lot out of wide players and what's what's super encouraging is just to see maybe the you know the the, the evolution of pepe to a point where it feels like arteta you imagine must have been getting quite frustrated and probably said to him listen do these things and you'll be an excellent player and kind of carried on persisting and now i think what's great is you're seeing pepe a lot more effective in that final third, but actually doing so much more defensive work as well. Like he's doing, he's doing everything. Like, I really wonder what it was that clicked and what he was
3: told and what, yeah. I remember when he got sent off, was it against Leeds? Leeds, Yes. Yeah. Leeds away, I think. Right. Um, I was fuming with that guy. Cause that was in the back of like, yeah, he'd just got to start to have a run in the team. I know he'd been in and out all, all season throughout the first bit, but Um, And I remember thinking when he got sent off like that six, I remember Arteta came out after full time and you can see he was really annoyed with Pepe as well. I think he apologized for like hanging him out to dry in a press conference because I think he lost his cool with him. Um, And I was like, I don't think this guy's going to play again for um, Arteta. But then he came back in, like, I think he was like, he's been in and out of the team slowly played on the left, played on the right. I think in Europa League games, And he has slowly gotten better. And, you know, he's he's a proper weird player, Pepe, because I reckon in this last two games where he scored, what, three or four really good goals, you could also make a highlights video of making him look really rubbish as well, because he still does some really, like, dumb things where he just, you know, he misplays a pass or he'll lose control of the ball or he'll just run into a defender. But he's clearly got that quality to actually make something happen in a game where we didn't create a lot on Sunday. He still created two outstanding goals, pretty much, you know, all by himself.
0: It's it's an interesting one that you pointed that out, Aaron, because I agree with you that <clears throat> that kind of frustrating side of him is still definitely there. Um, and you do see that when you watch him closely. He was on our side, wasn't he, on the second half? And you could see um, another thing that I noticed was um, he was trying to play off the last man and he was constantly waiting to make the run, hoping that like party was going to find him or Chambers was going was to find him and he was keep, kept resetting and trying again, which I thought was nice to see as well. I remember Walcott doing that a lot um, when he used to play on that side, obviously a few years ago. Um, but yeah, I, I guess that for me, that comes down to like just the fact that he's a player that's always trying to do something different. Like he's always trying to take a man on. There are, there are occasions when he like almost just looks very clumsy with the ball. Um, and he tries to do a skill and he just completely messes it up. But I don't know, maybe it's kind of like that risk, re- risk re- versus reward thing with a player like that when it comes off. You know, if he's going to try and take a player on 10 times in a game, if it comes off two, three times and it opens up a chance for him and he gets a goal out of it, it's almost like it's it's worth doing that. But the consistency in terms of output is definitely coming. I think it's a bit probably frustrating for him that the season has ended at the time that it's ended for him because he was just coming into this form where, you know, he's playing lots of games, lots of minutes, and like I said, delivering in terms of goals and assists and performances.
1: Yes, 20. I didn't like him sort of... Go on there, you're breaking up a little bit.
2: Yeah, sorry. And I'll say like, I think what I've sort of seen different in him is I think... (laughs) Before, when I used to see him play, at the start of the season, maybe it was a like a confidence thing, you know, lack of playing play time, and you know lack of goals and assists. But just his body language oh, and he sort of the, he sort of is minimum on the pitch, which I didn't really sort of like. He just looked defeated all the time. It wasn't, he didn't seem. You know, he did make his runs, and he wasn't tracking back as much. He just didn't. Sometimes he just didn't feel like he wanted to be there, which is why I'd really sort of got on his back as well. Uh, but yeah, no, definitely recently, um, you're sort of seeing the more sort of confident. Side of Pepe, and you can sort of see the end product, um, which I think, yeah, I think it's, I think maybe he is like a sort of confident-based player, sort of more so than others, um, and hopefully he can just yeah carry on until sort of next season as well.
1: It's a numbers game, isn't it? Like mm-hmm. I think, by like, it's your risk and reward point. I mean, at the moment he get he, he's done twenty goals and assists, twenty goal stroke assists this season. Um, that. Coming off a, a season where you know the first upper wasn't that heavy, so if he's if he's ne- next season, if he's doing 25 goals and assists plus, you know, you'll you, you take that, wouldn't you? you? You take that, and and so he, if he's going to be a risk reward player, if he's going to be a guy who does a few stupid things during a game in terms of losing possession or or, or whatever, yeah. it doesn't really matter because you know he's he's doing it because ultimately at one point one of those is going to pay off and he's going to score a goal. I think the issue has been. For patches of his career at Arsenal so far, he's just had too many games where nothing's come off and he's not uh, have been able to meaningfully contribute in any way during the game, uh, positively anyway. But that's where so, you expect the rest of the team
2: to then step up yeah. in those situations. Like if Arsenal wasn't losing, then no one, including myself, wouldn't be getting on Pepe's back. Obviously, he was, was used as a scapegoat when we weren't winning. But you're saying when the days he doesn't do well, you expect someone else two or three of the other places step up and sort of carry him for those games, which he can't contribute. Um But sort of based on that point then, would you say, you know, again, hypothetically sort of start of next season, would you, if you had to pick between, you know, him, Smith-Rowe and Saka to play on the, the two wide positions, would you, would you say he's a starter now, or would you still put there, put him behind the pecking order of or Saka and Smith-Rowe, assuming that, you know, the camp positions think, filled up by someone else? I think else.
3: he's...
0: That's what it comes down to, isn't it? I mean, look, it's game time. I mean, obviously, there's no there's no European football next season, right? Which we, I guess we'll come on to. But um, even though we we always ask this question, right? Like, who plays ahead of who, and who's the first choice eleven? But it's very rare that Arteta's going to get that get the opportunity to pick from a full, fully fit squad. Um, it's a hard one to answer. I mean, for me, if you're saying everyone's fit, who does he pick? Um. I think on form Pepe gets into the team. Um, I don't see why not, um, and I why don't. know And obviously Saka. I think if you're if you're well, I mean Smith um, can play centrally, can't he? So um, you could potentially play all three of them, which means someone like Martinelli maybe doesn't play, but he's not playing anyway. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much it changes things for Arteta. I think it's just that he, he is an option that we have wide with a couple of other players. You know, um, Saka, uh, Willian at the moment, Marceli, Aubameyang, arguably. Um, and he will have, you know, it's, it's its important to have those options for me. I think, I, I don't know, I think Pepe's going to get his fair share of, of minutes again. I hope he gets more minutes than he did this season because he was in and out of the team. I just hope he gets a bit more of a consistent run because... You know, him and Saka are the ones that have probably over the course of the season, if you look at or if you look at the numbers this season, they're the two that have probably delivered the most consistently.
3: Mm. Yeah, I agree. I think we always think, oh, we're gonna give ourselves a selection headache here. But A, we like none of these players are all ever fit at the same time. And if we do, like, we can just rotate. And then B, with some of these young players, like Smithrow, Saka particularly, you don't really want to be depending on them for 38 games a season plus cup games because, yeah. you know, who knows how their fitness levels will hold up. But then B, also their form is going to be up and down because they are young players. Um So actually, I think I look at, you know, assuming we get a new number 10 in as well, and there's a whole conversation to be had about who that player is. You've got that player, you've got Smithrow, you've got Pepe, you've got Martinelli, you've got Saka. Mm-hmm. I think that's like a, like a number of really good options for a season where we're not in Europe.
2: Yeah, but because it's the thing, because we're not in Europe now, we're only playing, you know, once a week. So that A, the number of injuries hypothetically shouldn't be as much as there are sort of this season. Um, and B, you'd want to keep that sort of consistency of, you know, players playing all the time. Um, like, you know, mm. if Saka doesn't play, for example, that's two weeks without football he'll have um sort of same with,
0: is same that, with anyone is that, so...
3: really
0: true? is that is that really true when you're talking about like you're attacking positions like we've obviously had this conversation about center back pairings and maybe even the goalkeeper for example their positions that you want to keep consistent but surely it depends on opposition form of that particular player or the, the players that you're selecting from um you know they're probably the two key factors for me like if you look at say um well, okay, City. I was going to say City, but even Chelsea, for example, they rotate their kind of front players quite a lot. Maybe not Werner because he tends to play quite a bit. But you but, know, again, they've got lots playing, of but you're
2: saying Chelsea? Well, exactly. But the point is, Chelsea have got are in Champions League, so they're rotating between Premiership and they're playing twice a week, so they can. But even if you took the their league games, rotate. I'm
0: pretty. But if you took, even if you took their league games, I don't think they'd be playing the same attacking players every week No, no, game. that's what I don't mean. Know. Because
2: they're rotating between the two, that's my point. If they only had one your week, question league, is you play your strong yeah. 11 every week, won't you?
1: Yeah, so ultimately, if your question is like, if you assume a world where we can play our best 11 like every week, yeah, and everyone, let's just assume that for a second. Then at the moment, Pepe gets in that team every single time because over the last few months, he's our best attacking player. Like, there's, there's no number that can argue for anyone else. So everyone else has to make way. <laughs> and whether it is, you know, and, and it's on the right, whether it's on the right or it's on the left, he gets in the team. Mm. So it's kind of just, you know, maybe it ends up being Saka sits on the bench. Maybe it is Emile Smith-Rowe. Maybe it is wh- whoever that number 10 is, like, but at the moment.
0: I think, yeah, I think the point to be made is Pepe, uh, there's a number of players in our team and our squad that get a lot of flack for different reasons. Pepe only gets flack because of his price tag. We've, like, stated I that. Ooh, I, I feel that, and I think a couple of you guys agree as well. Oh, yeah. I agree. um. But like, yeah, if you look at his output, he's got 10 Premier League goals this season. I was just having a look to see who else he's like ahead of and who he's in, in the same region. So, Bamiyan got 10 this season. I mean, there's players like Rashford, who got 11, Mane, who got 11, Cavani, who's apparently had the best season ever, got 10. So, the same as Pepe. He got the same as Raheem Sterling. He's got more than Firmino, Gabriel Jesus, mm-hmm. Phil Foden, Lingard, Mahrez, Jota. Okay, yeah. he was injured for most of the season, but... Or a lot of this, there's loads of play, you know Greenwood yeah all the Chelsea guys um, you know so he's had the it, most it, uh, contributions it's, it's,
2: contributions as well goals and assists for Arsenal this season as well 16 goals and 5 yeah, assists so, so I just think he gets a really
0: support. he get he gets yeah. a really unfair deal basically and it's all because he costs 72 odd million quid and that is the only reason why um, yeah you know and he hasn't he's been in and out of the scene this season like I said and he hasn't had much of a consistent run um, uh, and I think yeah I think I think at the moment on form if the season was carrying on and we were playing again next week he absolutely would be in the team for me and his best years are ahead of him
1: yeah yeah, yeah.
3: 25 yeah. I, and like another thing to go back to nearest point right is yeah like we've got a prim- we're not playing in Europe this season but the idea behind the next season is going to be to get into European competition and be in it regularly so you know we can't and I'm not saying you're suggesting this, but we can't really like build a squad for one season where we assume we're not in Europe. We need to build a squad for twenty plus players who will be playing in, you know, fifteen extra European games a season. Um so yeah, I think it gives us we can talk about this later, but it gives us a bit of time to build a bigger squad. But it would be very foolish to think, oh, that means we don't need two or three extra top players in some of these positions, because you know, all it takes is one injury this season, and we're going to rely on them all season, and then certainly next season or season after next, we'll need them every week.
0: Shall we? Shall we move on to or talk about? Well, league finish. Um, obviously, there was a drama at the end of the Spurs game, and we were obviously checking our phones and like, yeah, hearing the news from the other fans that are around us about the goals going in, and there was a bit of hope that we might finish above them up until the last few minutes. Um, but to be honest, on reflection, I can't say, it's obviously, obviously it would have been really, really nice to finish above Spurs, but the consequence of that would have been going into the Conference League. And we kind of touched on it, right? No European football next season, but European football would have meant the Conference League for us. I'm kind of okay with that. Um, when I say okay with that, I'm okay with, I'm not okay with finishing below Spurs, obviously. But the fact that, we haven't finished above them in the last few years. I'm not saying let's accept that we've not been as good as them, but I guess, you know, you can kind of accept it for another season if it means that hopefully we're actually going to like push for you know, targets top four next season, let's say. Um, and obviously they've got their own problems that they're going to have to deal with um, over the course of the summer and into next season. I don't know, do you guys feel the same or would you have preferred
1: to have gone you know got seventh but and finished above them but yeah
0: your your conference league
1: yeah I, I um it's disappointing not to finish above Spurs but I you know for the reasons that you mentioned plus this was Spurs's this was meant to be Spurs' season yeah they had Mourinho at the start of the season was there to deliver instant success this wasn't a transitional team this was a now team you know oh. and this now team um just pipped us and I think that we we all accepted that this the season's gone worse than we wanted to. Don't get me wrong, but even if it had gone a bit better, we all we all still thought this was still a transition. Even if we had done better, you know, it was still a transitional uh, kind of period. And um, and so I'm I'm you know if I if I look at it in that lens, not not really as bothered. Um, as you said, it'd be nice to finish above Spurs. I think that we will really have to take the benefit of not being in Europe next season. If you look over the last ten years. Liverpool have dropped out of Europe um, Chelsea have dropped out of Europe they've really benefited from that season outside of Europe uh, to almost just recalibrate start again um I think uh, when the now the dust has settled um, and I think even we the overwhelming feeling from us you know after the game as we were talking was that yeah you know, geez you know we really didn't want to play in that European conference so yeah mice
3: I'm with you the only downside really is I would have loved to have done a European away trip next season. <laughs> Um, and yeah, we've, we always try and do uh, a European away trip once a year. I know we've failed the last couple of years, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> the, we always try valiantly to like look at flights and they get very expensive very quickly. That part of like, that's the part I love about European football, like, dreaming of like planning some obscure route. Like, when we tried to go to Baku and figured out like that it was almost difficult to get there, the away trips that we have done, um, That would have been really fun, Um, especially some of these random outposts in the world. Like going, I don't know, going to Slovenia or Slovakia or Albania. That would have been like, like they're like lifetime memories, which I think would have been really fun. But in the grand scheme of things, when you don't know what travel is going to look like for the rest of the year, yeah, like it's if there's one season where you can give up on Europe, I think it's this season or next, yeah, of being in the conference.
1: And if we have any listeners from any of those places, they're not going to appreciate you calling them outposts.
3: Sorry, sorry. uh, We do have any listeners in Albania. (laughs) Why Harlane? Next next time, yeah. Next time we're in Albania, I will buy you a a drink.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Nero, you were going to say something, were you?
2: No, no, I think, like, considering, sort of, at one point of the season, you know, like, Spurs were top of the league, and we were, like as Sam Adelaide put it, relegation candidates for West Brom. And, you know, at that point, I thought, you know, we could end up being embarrassingly sort of lower than Spurs, like, you know, 15, 20 points lower than Spurs. So I think the way that we sort of caught up to them and, you know, they just pipped us to the post at the end by a couple of points, um, I think it shows that, if anything, we're more in, heading the right direction than they are. So I don't feel too bad about it, plus they're in the mm-hmm. conference league. So if anything, I'm quite happy that they, they have to go through that that shit there rather than us Um, and to be fair so I've said sort of I've said from the beginning like I I think I think having a season away from Europe is a good thing just gives us a chance to just reset everything um, just concentrate on the league um, because the issue I remember with what Arteta was saying because I remember in his sort of post-match interviews he always said you know he's trying to get his message across the team but the difficulty he had was they were playing games every three days so it's hard for them to, for him to, because, you know, imagine like a, playing every, every you know, twice a week, you've got a day rest in between, a day just, you know, preparing tactically, you know, the mental side of things for the game. So he's, he's probably not spending as much time as he would have liked to actually training the players and getting through his you know, philosophy and his way of thinking. So having that space now and having, you know, one one game a week and spending the whole week pre- preparing for each game, I can only see that as a good thing for us in the league. Um so I think especially, you know, in terms of the Arteta, you know, bandwagon in or out, like next season he's got no excuses now. I don't think, no, no distraction of any, you know, tournaments, just he's going to be judged on his league, like, he you know, has to be judged on his league uh, position alone next season. Um, so if it's an opportunity for him, but at the same time, it's, it's his time to shine now, um, sort of prove his dad wrong.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean we're going to or we're planning to do a full season review, a a proper season review episode um in the coming days. So I guess we can get go into kind of what went right, what went wrong um main, mainly uh this season and outlooks for for next season and the summer as well in terms of transfer plans. So um the other kind of news aside from um, Arsenal or linked to Arsenal I guess um, the other news today was obviously the England squad was announced or preliminary squad 33 um, players at Southgate's announced um, obviously Saka was in that which we expected him to be into in that first squad he may not make the cut poss- touch and go really I guess he's probably kind of one of these players that um, uh, is maybe 50-50 in Southgate's mind uh, we were talking earlier weren't we about Joe Willock maybe did he kind of earn um, the right to 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 be in this this preliminary one obviously he wasn't named, but um, I think we were saying, and I, and I was saying, I think Raj, you agreed, you know, he he probably had a he, so quite surprised to be honest that he wasn't in the 33 considering what he did in the second half of the season for a for a struggling um, Newcastle team. Um, when you look at what the impact Lingard had on on West Ham, you, you touched on it, Raj, didn't you? You know, um, that team were already doing pretty well. Um, and he came in and kind of almost took them to another level whereas we whereas went into a pretty kind of dross Newcastle team and um, you know to score that number of goals from, from central midfield is really really impressive but yeah unfortunately didn't get a
1: look in it's scoring seven. seven from seven and all different types of goals mm. um, yeah I think he but you know, it's, it's kind of there wasn't really much narrative around it. There wasn't really much kind of almost uh, you know the, the media weren't kind of even suggesting it as a possibility. Um, it might be the it might be because in, in the systems that England play, they seem to want to play two sitting central midfielders, right? And um, and and Willock isn't really a number ten, like so he's not going to really play in front of them. So maybe it is a bit of a system thing. But at the same time, you know, I, I would have thought, well, doesn't he offer something different? You know, how, how many how many real box-to-box um, central midfielders do England have? Um, so could he have just offered something different? Maybe. And I, and as you said, I think for the same rationale as you put Jesse Lingard in, which is a form card, you know, Jesse Lingard is there because he's a he, he's, he's been in good form um, and he's broken his way in. For that reason, I mean, come on, like, you know, someone who's just scored seven in seven from central midfield, like,
3: Sure, surely should be improved. I reckon I reckon it's purely just because of the fact that he hasn't really played for England before hmm. so there's this whole like bringing a new player in just for that and based on a very very short period of form is probably like Southgate just seems a bit of a risk averse manager in that yeah. sense so he's probably not going to do it um, and you know I don't know how like he almost certainly wouldn't have made the cut anyway, right? Of the 26. So yeah, I'm not that surprised. And Lingard, I think you've got experience to play for England there. Um, and like I said, I don't even know if Lingard's going to make the cut. So um, I'm not surprised. And then with Saka, you know, I think, I think he he probably should be there. But again, I wouldn't be too upset from an Arsenal perspective if he doesn't go, because I think, over the last six or seven games he's looked very tired and his form has certainly dropped. So I think we you know we've we've like run this kid to the ground over the whole season and he deserves a rest. Completely agree.
1: Completely, it, it would, it's, it's, a, it's a case also like, you know, I think we discussed it before, but um in the old when the England squads were, when when the when the, the squads were meant to be smaller for this competition I think what were they 23 men squads before Usually, you know, now the final so, yeah. squad has to be 26 mm-hmm. there's less of a need to have your versatile players in now right you can have more specialists um, so maybe that works against him in t- because uh, because he's probably the most versatile player in the squad right he's a guy mm-hmm. who can genuinely play at a very good level in a number of positions but maybe they don't need that um, you know Mizey you kind of mentioned the other day right like arguably you could say he's if you're playing an attacking left wing back in a, if you're playing a back three with attacking left wing backs, arguably he's second choice. Um, but aside from that, you know, is he really second choice in any other kind of scenario? It's
0: And I guess like, I don't know how Southgate or an international manager thinks about this, but obviously with the world cup now, not two years away, but a year away, um, how much does the kind of the, 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 the planning um, for, for that tournament start now as well? um, you know, and how he kind of shapes the squad. Um and I I would like to think Saka is a player that definitely makes the World Cup squad next season, barring kind of injuries and stuff. Um I, I'd be very surprised if he didn't. So, you know, I don't know. That maybe may come into his thinking, you know, give give some of these players the the experience, even if they're not going to play that many minutes, give them the experience of the tournament now so that they're almost ready for the World Cup, which okay, so it's a, it's a bigger tournament, isn't it? Really, you know, obviously, obviously, it's a bigger tournament. Um, but, um, yeah, yeah, I, I don't know if, if that comes into his thinking as well. Maybe I, I know, I know what you said, Aaron, in that you know, you'd be happy, um, from an Arsenal perspective, if he doesn't go. And I, I, I completely agree, I can't, you can't disagree with that, right? Like, obviously, it would just be good for him to have the break and come back to us fresh, but at the same time, kind of like, you know, he's obviously one of our, if not our best player, one of our best players, one of our top players, and kind of that like development that he's on now, going to a tournament, playing with, you know, we've got some really, really talented players England have. So going and training with these guys for the next few weeks and, and almost getting a taste of something that he's not had before, um, you know, it might stand him in good stead for when he comes back to us. It might also be quite detrimental in the sense that he might get People like Foden and Rashford saying in his ear, "Come and join us at our clubs." Um, One hundred twenty million.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Do you think? But is it? Is it? I sort of
2: understand. So I sort of get both points. It's good to obviously get the international and tournament experience. But then there's again, there's no point in him being part of a twenty six man squad if he's going to go. Then you know what Martin, Martin Kieran did, right? Two tournaments in a row, just sat on the bench, didn't get a minute. So.
0: <laughs> the there's no, Keown, no point like,
1: i love it i love that <laughs> he's commitment he's not even commented
0: on the game <laughs> if, you, if you take the martin Keown, i mean there is there is right there is a benefit there, is, there surely you, is a benefit yeah would you not say so no, like if you if you the were cost benefit uh, of
2: then coming coming back saying like get to the final you know coming back missing pre-season train you know training yeah that, that not, that's, the that's obviously that the, yeah the, that i agree with but you're saying you're tournament. saying
0: as a like martin Kion. yeah martin Kieran would have well, I don't know, but my, okay, we're talking about a player who's what? How old is Saka? Nineteen is he? Nineteen, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I think that's pretty invaluable, to be honest. He, you know, you never know what's going to happen. That's a Remember time. that was the Theo argument to get experience. When, now.
2: when Theo went, when he was obviously again, different circumstances, but everyone said, "Oh yeah, Theo going is going to be good for his England careers because he's going to get ahead on him." But uh, it's again, like, if you're going to go, then you're going to get you know game time and playing those sort of big matches. Then yeah, it will definitely help. Then you know, playing the big matches in for your club. If you can going to sit there on the bench, this bench warm for the whole tournament, I'd rather him come back. I'd rather him, like Aaron was saying, be fresh. Because he's had a tough second half of the season anyway in terms of game time. So I think he, out of most of our players, has a well-earned rest.
0: I, I, yeah, I, I agree with you. Like I said, yeah. you know, as, an, as from an Arsenal perspective, I guess I was looking at this from a... Saka development, you know, what he would like, like to do, he would obviously want to go. He'd be yeah. quite disappointed um, mm. to not get picked now that he's in the preliminary squad. And I think, yeah, from a development perspective it can only help. Yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah. Can he not be England's left
2: fight. back? Who's le- who's England's <coughs> left back? Is it Chilwell?
3: Yeah, it'll be Chilwell Shaw. or Shaw, won't it? It'll be Luke Shaw. Mm. if yeah. well, it's the four, I think. And Chilwell if
2: it's the five. So you don't think yeah. Saka's think it's good enough to...
0: Challenge. So no, I, I think okay. we all think he's good enough, right? But it's just what South gets preferences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. You know, I don't exactly. think exactly. Mm. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Um and then uh, I mean the only other thing I was gonna mention, guys, was um obviously look, we come to the end of the season. We we started this podcast February, I think it was. It's been a few months now. Um I just wanted to say look, you know, big thank you to people who've Taking the time to to watch us listen to us um this season and especially you know we appreciate that and we also really really appreciate people who've like interacted with us you know people are um commenting on the on the video um interacting with us on instagram twitter etc facebook all social media platforms and um you know we really appreciate i really enjoy I'm sure you guys do. Just like speaking to other Arsenal fans, I've met quite a few fans through social media. Obviously, not face to face yet, but um, have started interacting and speaking to a lot of these guys, a lot of people, um, and no, it's been really good fun. So yeah, I just want to say thank you for for the support.
1: Yeah, echoed. Absolutely, It'd be really nice to meet people when you know next season hopefully when things open up uh it would be, be great like you know I think we you know we we always go we always go for a couple of drinks for every game like and I'm really you know I'd really love to connect with other Arsenal fans who whether you know they're people who are interacting with us on social media or whatever like you know just meeting for a drink beforehand I mean we we love to do it right love to talk about football just yeah yeah mm. just really appreciate all the interaction I think
3: yeah I think we um we're constantly amazed yeah we are yeah, we've got very small numbers but they are very consistent and growing and we are super humbled that people would actually <laughs> listen to us talk. <laughs> um, so yeah, like we're we're learning a lot but we're also really enjoying it. So hopefully we can carry on and keep getting better.
0: <clears throat> and we've got we've got some plans for kind of the off season which we're in discussions. Um, with with what we're going to uh, be talking about. We would love to hear, really, like, you know, people that are watching and listening, you know, feel free to tell us what would you like us to talk about, you know, Arsenal-related or otherwise. Well, it's going to be Arsenal-related, but, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> and like I said, we've got some ideas, things that we want to talk about, things that we want to discuss, episodes that we're going to do over the next few weeks until the new season starts. But, yeah, um, we would love to hear any suggestions and ideas. Boys, should we call it there? Mm-hmm. Yes. Brilliant. All right, boys. um, Well, end of the season. uh, And we will do our full review uh, very, very soon. But until then, guys, thank you as always for tuning in. And we'll see you next time.
3: See ya. Bye. See ya, guys. Bye.